Between 2019 and 2020, the total number of veterans experiencing homelessness remained relatively unchanged despite considerable reductions in previous years, meaning roughly 37,000 veterans across the country still lack permanent housing. Additionally, at least 1.4 million are considered at risk of homelessness, and we do not have a full picture yet of how this number might have been impacted as a result of the pandemic. Veteran homelessness is further complicated because as we all know, a shortage of affordable rental housing remains a major issue across the country. The harsh truth is we will likely not build our way out of the affordable housing crisis, at least no time soon. We simply cannot build enough one bedroom apartments to house every single veteran in need right now. And that's why you guys are here, because you realize this and you realize that we need to be talking about and thinking about those other options, options that might work in our communities right now and options that we might consider, but we're overall just less familiar with. My name is Jasmine and I'm the Housing Program Associate at the National Coalition for Homeless Veterans. Welcome to season two of the Road Home Podcast, where every week we will discuss creative housing solutions for veterans. Before we get into this week's episode, a very special thank you. We want to take this time to acknowledge and thank the Home Depot Foundation for sponsoring this podcast and for continuing to fund veterans housing throughout the country. For roughly a decade, the Home Depot Foundation has remained committed to supporting the mission and work of NCHV. Their continued partnership means more housing availability for veterans and hopefully one day an end to veteran homelessness. The Home Depot Foundation works to improve the homes and lives of U.S. veterans, train skilled tradespeople to fill the labor gap, and support communities impacted by natural disasters. The Foundation's Veteran Housing Grants Program awards grants to nonprofit organizations for the new construction or rehabilitation of permanent supportive housing for veterans. Since 2011, the foundation has invested more than $375 million in veteran causes and improved more than 50,000 veteran homes and facilities. The foundation has pledged to invest half a billion dollars in veteran causes by 2025 and 50 million in training the next generation of skilled tradespeople through the Path to Pro program. We'll be highlighting some of their work as we talk about various affordable housing developments throughout this series. If you're developing projects that support veterans exiting homelessness or would like to learn more about how the Home Depot Foundation is making a difference and continues to serve those who serve, visit homedepotfoundation.org. All right, you guys, the theme for this episode is home ownership and moving renters or those experiencing homelessness directly into home ownership as a means of providing long-term, stable, affordable housing. Now for this topic, you all may feel like you don't actually hear about it enough or really at all. And honestly, my thoughts are, why is that? Why do we often think of home ownership as completely off limits and unattainable for veterans that we work with? If you're wondering how we chose this topic and why we're covering it this week, really what we started with was an understanding and a discussion about the benefits of home ownership and working backwards to find organizations or best practices that could move those who are ready onto this next step in their housing recovery. 
The way I really see it, there are a few benefits specific to home ownership which we need to talk about. Home ownership offers stability that oftentimes renting just cannot offer. Home ownership can be a longer term affordable housing option because most of the biggest costs and most expensive costs are fixed and they're not subject to fluctuation based on the market or landlord decision making. Home ownership also builds wealth. And lastly, home ownership represents a culmination or kind of a finish line of sorts. And part of addressing the affordable housing crisis includes moving those who are ready onto home ownership so that they're stable and that we can refocus resources on those who might be struggling with very basic housing needs. When the COVID-19 pandemic began, one of the major questions we all had, which really turned into a focal point over the last year or so, was what would happen to renters impacted by the pandemic? Would they be subject to harsh treatment by their landlords? Would they be able to remain housed? Also, what would happen to those living unsheltered? Would they be able to move into housing, let's say if they had been working on this already, um, but despite major shifts in the industry operations? One group of people we might have worried about, but not completely panicked for right away, were the homeowners, because there's this sense of safety and stability that comes with home ownership. While it takes considerably more time and preparation to move into home ownership, it also provides some sense of longer term security that renting, again, just can't match. A completely separate thought I've been having, and maybe you all have had similar thoughts on your mind, um, is for the most part, all of the affordable housing programs demand far outpaces supply, right? When there are a lot of moving parts and our organization has been very involved in focusing our energy on making sure that the supply is there and that people who need help getting into shelter, transitional housing, connect to more permanent housing programs have the ability to, that they have access to these options. Um, but there is another way we could be thinking about expanding resources where possible. And something I think we should be exploring is a system of graduating those who are ready through the various temporary and transitional programs onto home ownership. If we could move those who are ready onto home ownership, maybe we could free up space to bring new people in to receive the same type of assistance they need to become more stable. Also, lastly, and sort of building off of um, the idea that we are carrying throughout this episode, there might be vet veterans that we're working with right now in our programs who are ready for home ownership or might have even already come to us asking about VA home loans and such. And what's been on my mind is when is home ownership a good option and for who? How do we know? Can this be a more affordable option and where? How do we prepare veterans who may be ready right now? That's exactly the types of points we're gonna cover in this episode. The discussion we're gonna to have today feels incredibly unique to NCHB and really our audience as a whole. It's not so often that we talk about home ownership, which is kind of like, why is that? You know, why do we assume home ownership is completely out of reach for people? Home ownership can and is a viable option for many of the veterans we all work with, especially those who may have graduated from other affordable rental programs or those who may have come from stable housing and are experiencing brief, possibly non-recurrent episodes of homelessness or situations that they can easily self-correct from. In this episode, we're gonna cover an organization doing just that, working with veterans to become ready for home ownership, working to prepare them by addressing each veteran's unique barriers head on, and working with them to become financially stable and prepared for the long haul of ownership. 
And lastly, by matching them to home ownership opportunities they can be successful in in communities of their choice and housing that they choose. Our guest this week is Carl Naturno, and he's one of the co-founders of A Soldier's Home, which is based in the state of Utah. A Soldier's Home is devoted to providing our veterans with the level of respect they deserve by making them independent, self-sustainable homeowners. And then this episode will wrap with a couple of tips for how we might be able to help veterans who are curious about homeownership pair with options they're interested in buying. And it'll also recap a couple of factors we might be able to use to determine, prepare, and filter veterans who are ready for this next step in their housing recovery. We have quite a bit to cover today, you guys, so let's dive in. My name's Carl Naturno. Um, I'm one of the co-founders at A Soldier's Home, which is uh, a nonprofit based in Utah currently. Um, so uh, A Soldier's Home helps uh, homeless veterans uh, get permanent housing, typically through home ownership. Um, we started in 2017, um, and we, we've been working very, uh, we've been working mostly in Utah, and we've also been mostly a pilot program. Uh, so we started uh, when a good friend of mine actually was working, uh, worked at both a mortgage company and also a veteran benefit advocacy group. Um, and from those two experiences, he started wondering why uh, homeless veterans could not actually go directly into home ownership. Uh, so he gave me a call with this idea, and I flew out to Utah with him. And we spent a, a few months just on the ground building relationships with uh, homeless shelters, with mortgage banks, with realtors, um, talking to veterans. Um, and, you know, understanding their situation and understanding uh, what they were going through and um, trying to understand the intricacies of the VA home loan program and um, seeing the, the extent to which um, homeless veterans could actually use that program and whether or not it would be beneficial for them. And uh, we found a lot of interesting things uh, through that process and we kind of put together a process that uh, clients could go through, potential clients could go through to get to home ownership. And um, you know, we've then, after they would get home ownership, we spent a lot of time doing casework with them afterwards, you know, just making sure, uh, checking in on them, making sure that they were, um, you know, making their mortgage payments um, and helping them, um, you know, make, making sure that their lives were going well after uh, getting into permanent housing. So over the past, I guess, three years um, or so, um, you know, because a lot of it was set up, um, we have gotten over 30 individuals into permanent housing, um, most of those into situations where they're actually homeowners. Um, and uh, we have been, uh, I think, fairly successful. We're still kind of monitoring to see, to make sure that uh, we're happy with the results. But, um, you know, so far we think that we've had quite a bit of success and we're planning on um, expanding at some point over the next year or so, uh, depending on uh, a variety of factors. But, um, yeah, that's a, a brief history of um, our organization uh, and uh, how we got started. 
Very cool. I mean, I feel like that is a significant number of veterans um, in the three-year time span, especially if most of them are moving on to um, home ownership. One quick question, and I know our audience is probably thinking the same thing, are veterans coming to your organization um, from other housing programs, maybe not stably housed, you know, but coming from other programs that might have been a mid-step between experiencing unsheltered homelessness and whatever they move on to through your program, or are they coming to your program, um, you know, actively experiencing homelessness? Most of the clients that we've had so far have been coming from, um, you know, ac- actively experiencing homelessness, you know, whether it's uh, you know, living out of a car. Uh, we had one family client, actually, um, you know, where it was a veteran uh, family, two children, and uh, the situation that they were in, uh, they would spend about 20 days um, in hotels and then run out of money and spend uh, the last 10 days of the month until you know, they got their um, payments uh, living out of their car. There are a lot of examples of um, you know, things that uh, situations in which you, you find yourself do, uh, doing a more costly stopgap measure um, because you don't have the resources or the time um, or the stability to really uh, to really figure out what the most fiscally responsible um, solution would be. So in, in this case, uh, you know, this family also had the added burden of having their children taken away um, because of their unstable living arrangements. So and, and that adds, I mean, there are just so many headaches that come um, from a, you know, a situation like that. Um, we were able to work with this family um, and actually cut their housing expenses you know, quite quite a bit um, through home ownership because uh, obviously if you think about uh, you know, the difference between home ownership and having to uh, stay in a hotel, I mean um, the hotel costs add up very very quickly and lead to uh, situations you know, where then you. you Part of the time you're there, part of the time you're living out of your car. Um, there is very little stability. Uh, it's it's very difficult. Um, so ultimately, actually, we ended up in court, um, you know, with them to testify that they were now homeowners um, after they had gotten through our uh, program um, successfully, and that led to them being able to get their children back. So, that, you know, that's an example um, of like how some of our clients uh, come to us and, and the hardships that they have because of that. But um, honestly, I, I think that our program, our process would also be perfect for people who are in more transitional um, programs uh, who feel like they, um, you know, can, uh, who, who would be interested in, yeah. You know, transitioning to home ownership. Um, so you know, we, we, tip, we work individually with every client and you know, try to make sure that um, our process is right for them and um, you know, kind of assess the various factors that go into that, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, perfect. I think that that's something that makes your organization so unique is to actually look at home ownership as um, 
a more affordable option to, you know, achieve permanent housing um, than some of the other intermittent options, which can just stack up costs. You know what I mean? Staying in a hotel or jumping apartment to apartment, moving's costly. Um, short-term rentals are costly. So thinking of home ownership as a cost-saving option for permanent housing is unique. Um, I guess one quick question too, and we'll get into a little bit more details of like VA home loan opportunities um, and maybe other programs that might be available for veterans wanting to pursue home ownership as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are you guys using if if a family or veteran comes to you and doesn't already have transitional housing lined up or are not currently renters? Are you guys using any specific programs for that transitionary period? Um. Currently, we're not. We'd be very interested in partnering up with any other organizations that would be interested in helping us with that. Our program has typically goes fairly quickly, um, which we find interesting just because we have those existing relationships with the mortgage banks and with uh, the realtors. Um, So typically, uh, you know, it's not the type of thing where a person's waiting for half a year or a year um, to get through the program. Um, so we just haven't really had a huge need for, um, that, uh, just based on the way that we have, uh, the way that our program has gone so far, but, you know, that is definitely something that we'd be very uh, interested in working with. Right. I think at least the way NTHV is thinking about this, and then probably most of our listeners would be a second step, for veterans maybe graduating some of the rental programs um, or who've, you know, maintained stability in transitional housing for a certain period of time. And homeownership just seems like a natural next step, Um, which leads me to another question. How do you guys actually decide that a veteran might be ready for homeownership? Or is it something that they're initiating on their ends and seeking y'all services out anyway, saying, I've been considering home ownership because I would I would guess it would be like the first way where you guys are receiving veterans in various housing situations and you're saying, hey, you might be somebody that that is ready to pursue home ownership. How do you actually make the differentiation? Yeah. So given that this is a pilot program, you know, a lot of our clients come from either referrals or um through our partnerships with other organizations like um homeless homeless shelters where um you know or they, actually we've had clients refer other clients before um, through the community. So we have typically found people um, who, you know, who want to be homeowners, right? Um, and actually they, they've come to us either through referral or through one of our um, partner um, uh, shelters. And given... Um, that we're dealing with um, you know, a very small group of people. Um, and, and also, I'm, I should have probably mentioned this at the beginning, um, you know, uh, our organization is all volunteer. We, we don't have any full-time staff at the moment. Um, so, and you know, we, we all do this uh, you know, as, uh, on a volunteer basis, but um, we typically spend a lot of time talking to the veteran and understanding um, you know, their background, their history, kind of, um, you know, tr- trying to understand um, why they're homeless and um, trying to understand if, if they are feel happy with the idea of being um, of, of a, being a homeowner. 
of the responsibility that comes along with that. Um, we typically also look a bit at their finances, um, uh, try to understand uh, things like their their credit score, their you know if they have any prior debt, um, what their uh, guaranteed income is, um, just so that we can understand if they're a good candidate for um, for our program. Uh, then we also spend a lot of time with them through the process, uh, making sure that. Uh, they're comfortable at every step. And then we also, as I mentioned, spend a lot of time after the process is actually done, um, you know, continuing to work with them and um, ensuring that there's a smooth transition there um, and um, making sure that, uh, you know, they, they don't just get into the home just to be abandoned. And then, um, you know, if, if they have some, uh, you know, a bad situation come up, you know, have, have to end up in foreclosure. Um, so... Yeah, most of our clients do come to us through referrals. Um, we've had clients just reach out literally on our website. There, we have a contact form. Uh, the, uh, the website is thesoldiershome.org. Um, and uh, you know, if you, if you fill out the contact form there, uh, we typically get back very quickly um, to anyone who does that. But um, yeah, a lot of referrals. You did mention using VA home loans. Um, have you guys worked with veterans through your program to become homeowners using any of the other um, financing available for purchasing a home or any of the, I know like HUD VASH, for example, some areas can use that for mortgage payments, but any of the other rental programs to transition somebody into home ownership? To be honest, we haven't um, really. I mean, because we found that the VA home loan, I mean, it, it's a, it's a great program. Um, and I think that it, uh, fits most of our clients, uh, fairly well. Um, and just given the current clientele that we have, we, we just haven't really ha had the need to go out and, um, use some of these other programs. Um, if we expand, obviously, you know, that that's, those are programs that we'd like to add to our arsenal. Um, to use in you know, for various cases. And so you did talk a little bit about, um, you know, some of the other financial responsibility that goes into homeownership and just kind of working with veterans to understand their financial standing and how to be more responsible and stuff like that, um, just to make sure that they can stick with the mortgage over the lifetime of the loan, let's say. So what other things are you guys looking at and working with veterans to address just to make sure that they are fully prepared for like the long term of what comes with home ownership. Yeah. So um, on the front end, uh, we have, uh, we, we, we sometimes have had clients who've come to us with, um, you know, low credit scores. Um, that is something that uh, we have worked with um, help, helping them improve their credit score, uh, getting um, a deposit credit card um, that uh, you know they can they can pay off things like that. We've also had um, uh, we've also had clients come to us with pre-existing debt, you know, small amounts of pre-existing debt that we have you know helped them um, discharge in one way or another, um, so that they can get to the point where uh, they can use our process well. Um, we have, uh, we, you know, of course will, uh, when we get to the process of getting, um, a home, we typically work, uh, with the realtor and the mortgage, uh, bankers to 
um, figure out a good uh, debt to income ratio. Um, that is something that we talk to the client quite a bit about to you know understand um, you know other expenses that they have. Sometimes they have income uh, other than the guaranteed income. Sometimes they don't. I mean, one of the things with uh, you know just with having such a small clientele pool uh, for now um, as a pilot program is that we can pr provide quite uh, flexible you know, services for, you know, for, for our clients and we can really work with them individually uh, to fit their needs. So it, it, we don't have as strict of a program that you just you have to follow these steps. Um, you know, we're much more interested in working with our clients to make sure that they can get uh, they, that they can become homeowners. Um, so that we can understand whether or not that is something that could be viable. I think that one of the things that we are moving towards, much more towards um, in the coming months here, uh, is making, putting together much more of, um, of uh, you know, a step-by-step -step process that is less flexible, but um, more scalable. Um, and taking everything that we've learned over the past few years here and uh, making it something that uh, hopefully can expand um, nationwide. Um, and obviously, there are a lot of uh, the much of much, many of our clients, you know, were living in Utah, which is you know, a very different environment, say, for example, from Washington, D.C. or, you know, some of these other cities where uh, you know, home prices are just uh, real estate is ridiculous right now. Um, in many places. So, you know, I think that as we expand, we'll have to um, figure out, A, the best places for us to expand to, where we can help the most number of clients, um, and B, uh, figure out, uh, you know, the best way to, to scale the program while ensuring that um, we still have that level of security for the clients who go through our program. Because the last thing, and I think that, you know, the, part of the reason that this Programs like this have not really, you know, you don't see too many of them is because for a lot of people, um, there's a large amount of trepidation um, of giving uh, homeless veterans that responsibility of being homeowners. And I think that there are, uh, most people um, have much more of a sense that, well, we need transition, we need transitional housing, we need to basically, we need to learn how to crawl before we can walk and we need to learn how to walk before we can run. Um, we think that uh, properly done, that metaphor isn't really applicable or it doesn't really work um, for this because, uh, you know, in many cases, you know, renting is fairly expensive compared to home ownership, especially when you consider that all of that money is not going to... Um, is not going to uh, building equity in a property. Right. I want to definitely leave our listeners with a couple of points they can take back to their own communities. But what I will say, some of the help that you guys are able to provide your clients is definitely related to um, the experience you guys bring from other industries. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people who work you know, as frontline service providers with homeless veterans, they are not going to be as adapt, I don't think, to um, what order to prioritize these things in. Like, do we focus on fixing your credit? Do we focus on building a savings? Do we focus on financial literacy? Do we focus on, you know, I think 
even just having some sort of tool like that would be so helpful because you kind of run into this um, challenge of like how to prioritize what needs to be done first and fastest while also trying to make sure this person um, is not living somewhere that's like completely unstable or unsheltered. Service provider might be a little bit more, um, I guess, in tune with how to deal with the temporary housing and where um, to to place veterans in the meantime. But I don't think they would be as knowledgeable about how to prepare somebody to be able to qualify for a mortgage in the first place. Do you get what I mean? I, I want to give our communities and like our listeners some things they can think about and take back to their organizations. I know some states um, have used this as a graduation portion of, you know, how they administer their HUD-BASH programs um, to transition veterans who are ready from rental programs to homeownership to then free up some rental program availability for veterans exiting shelters or transitional housing, right? So I am wondering if there are things that service providers might be able to or case managers might be able to do to kind of mimic what you guys do to to run through with a veteran, like if, are they really ready for this next step? Yes. Because this, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that it's a, it's a fairly difficult thing. I mean, um, so a little bit on you know, our background. I mean, I, I think that mo- most of the people that, uh, you know, are working on this project, to uh, you know, have backgrounds in entrepreneurship or, um, you know, have, have started startups or, um, you know, worked in financial services and things like that. Um, you know, and I, I think that there is a very kind of entrepreneurial, um, uh, spirit to this. And, you know, with that, there's, um, a, a willingness to take, um, calculated risk. Right. Um, and I think that that is one of the reasons that we, we've been able to, um, do what we've done um, because it, we're, I think we, we feel fairly flexible. Um, you know, we're not, uh, and I think that that is one of the difficulties that we're going to have over the next few months here is uh, scalability and understanding how to uh, transition that flexibility to something that, um, you know, environments where you can't be as flexible because you have, you have far more people. Um, if you have a client who is, uh, who has some level of stability, um, you know, is making, uh, you know, is making enough income to have place out of a lot of these other, um, programs. Uh, I, I definitely think that home ownership should be on the table, um, for them, because, uh, if you think about it, uh, the VA home loan program and all of the programs that exist, um, you know, make it fairly easy to get to home ownership in that type of situation. Um, you know, especially with the zero percent down payment, um, that is uh, there's almost and I'm I'm a little bit biased here, but uh, I tend to think of that renting is. Um, is you're kind of in many cases throwing money away, um, and of course there there you know there's risk in in the uh, in the housing market, and um, you know there are all sorts of situations where things can end terribly. So you know that that is something that you know you definitely have to keep an eye on um, in that world, um, and you know keep some level of um, risk assessment um, throughout. But um, in many cases, I mean, home ownership 
leads to a much higher level of stability um, and also helps build wealth for the client. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously it comes down to whether or not the client wants to take on that type of responsibility um, and the level of flexibility that the client wants to you know, move around. Um, but uh, in many in many cases, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, moving costs are very high. Uh, the costs associated with renting are very high. Um, and there is very little that uh, someone, especially without um, the programs that you know, uh, help um, help facilitate renting, you know, um, w- without those, uh, I to be honest, I, I there. I think that someone in that situation should definitely be looking at home ownership. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, that, that's kind of the um, thought I want to leave the listeners with. I, ju- I just wanted to tell a quick anecdote, which I, which I thought was quite, um, quite something, which is one of our clients um, bought, um, bought a property and um, we had another client who was in the pipeline, um, but there were a few uh, issues that were delaying um, you know, him getting through the program. Uh, and these the, these two knew each other. And what ended up happening was while the one was going through our program um, in a delayed fashion, he ended up actually renting from the other uh, person who had completed our uh, process. Um, and so, yeah, uh, the the first veteran was actually making um, some level of passive income from the fact that he was a homeowner um, while the other veteran was waiting to get through the program, um, which I think is just, you know, another example of, you know, ways that home ownership builds value for people. I mean, because ultimately when you're a renter, you're much more at the whim of, uh, you know, your landlord. It, it's not yours. You, you are paying for the convenience of using someone else's property. Um, and for many of these veterans who are already, um, you know, just looking for stability and, you know, aren't necessarily, um, uh, very concerned about, for instance, uh, you know, being able to move very quickly from one place to another. In fact, in many cases, they're actually sick of moving from one place to another. They, they want some level of stability. They want something that they can call a home. I mean, I think that that is really the operative word, homeless, right? They're, they're looking for a home. Um, home ownership comes with a, a huge level of stability for that. Um, and obviously there, there are things that come along with home ownership, uh, you know, having to re- you know, repair. Uh, but, you know, those are things that where we have helped, um, you know, with our clients in the past and, um, you know, but, when you're a homeowner, you actually suddenly have, you're creating value, you're creating equity. And um, I think that that example with the one um, client who was going through the process, renting from the other, is just, a, it was something that, at least for us, was, we, we found that actually quite beautiful, especially because the rate at which they were renting was far lower than uh, than what you might consider uh, market values because both of them were in the program and uh, you know knew each other and wanted to help each other. So um, yeah, I just wanted to share that little anecdote. 
Definitely food for thought because, I mean, the option to be a homeowner just for your primary residence, comparing that, weighing that against rental options, but also making a way to almost turn this opportunity into a source of income. So that was a lot to take in, I know. And I want to thank Carl again for sharing such great information about a soldier's home with our audience. Before we head out this week, I want to recap a couple of takeaways from the episode and talk a little bit more about how we get there. How do we get to the point where home ownership is more attainable and realistic for the veterans we all work with? First things first, I think the interest is definitely there. I think we'd probably be shocked to find out how many of the people we work with are curious about this option. The question is, how do we know when someone's ready and when they're serious about home ownership? I think first, like Carl mentioned in this episode, they come to you. So be on the lookout for this. Secondly, maybe just putting the option on the table when you have clients who seem like they might be a good fit for home ownership would be a good practice to have. And lastly, I think Considering this as an option for those who have barriers to renting, specifically to renting, that can be easily overcome by home ownership as an alternative, might also be a good practice to have in place. One thing Carl mentioned in this episode, and I think it's something maybe we need to consider internally, but other organizations as well should be looking at, is building home ownership opportunities and conversation into general case management. How can this be done and how can it be perfected? I know for a soldier's home, they have more industry experience, more hands-on experience with this type of work, and they're able to do sort of financial coaching to get better into the place where they're ready. We may not all have that ability in-house, but good news is there are probably great opportunities for partnership in your communities. For example, I know CDFIs, Community Development Financial Institutions, can help in this arena and also HUD-sponsored counseling agencies, housing counseling agencies throughout the country can provide service and advice on buying a home, renting, defaults, foreclosures, and credit issues. Um, Lastly, I think familiarizing ourselves with the VA home loan opportunities and process and qualifications would be helpful. Again, where this is too much to take on internally, partnership is always a possibility. Reaching out to VA regional loan centers for help with this or help connecting veterans to um, contact a VA home loan representative can get, you know, take care of some of that heavy lifting that maybe we're not able to do with the staff capacity that we have right now. The final thing I want to say before we head out, when we first started building this episode, we were really looking for examples of renting to own or veterans using HUD Bash to transition to home ownership. And we were shocked to find out that there are not many communities doing this. Something we hope to explore more in the future is the possibility of using vouchers to transition renters to homeowners, especially in communities with source of income protections, and how this might be possible once veterans are ready to move on to a VA home loan. If you're listening to this episode and have any great examples of this, please make sure to let us know. Engage with us on social media after this episode airs and let us know which communities you've heard of that are doing this very practice. Anyways, you guys, y'all can learn more about the projects or topics we discussed in this episode by checking out our weekly one pager, which will include links to a soldier's home in case you're interested in talking with them more directly. I'll also drop in some links for the resources I mentioned in this wrap up, including a link to the HUD Counseling Agency's website, the VA Regional Loan Center's website, and a CDFI locator I found. 
Just want to thank you guys so much for joining us this week. If you're curious about this episode or want to learn more about the National Coalition for Homeless Veterans, visit nchv.org or search NCHV on social media. The road home may be a long and winding one. However, the journey ends once every veteran has a permanent, stable, and affordable place to call home. Thank you again and see you all next week.